singing in the kitchen. You are listening to Redeemer Radio, a weekly conversation connecting the gospel of Jesus Christ to the questions and issues of everyday life. Hosted by the leaders of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Greetings, Redeemer family, and welcome back to Redeemer Radio. I am Pastor Ross, joined again by Dan and Sean. And Merry Christmas Eve to you all. This episode should be dropping on Christmas Eve. And um, we will have hopefully last night uh, been together for our outdoor service. And uh, we also look forward to getting back together later today with many more of you for our indoor candlelight Christmas Eve service. So this is our final episode of this season. Uh, we've been looking at David Mathis's wonderful Christmas devotional called The Christmas We Didn't Expect. But guys, before we jump in, one last sort of teaser question. Uh, what is your favorite Christmas movie? It's hard for me to choose just one, so I'll go with uh, a classic, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, and as far as new ones, Elf has kind of made it into the rotation of the family, so we, we uh, do that. I love Buddy the Elf. What's your favorite color? Nice. Harrison nice. asks that question all the time now. So I don't think because of that movie, but makes me think of Buddy the Elf. We watched the Santa Claus at uh, the youth Christmas party, and then I watched it again with Julie recently, and... I love that. It's funny. I like Tim Allen a lot. I think uh, some of the humor from the 90s made it in there, and I don't know, <laughs> just really enjoy it. Uh, Elf is a good one, for sure. Um, I think I've seen everything Will Ferrell's done, though, so it's like it's like the same character. In every just movie. in an elf costume. Just in an elf costume. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, mine is definitely Charlie Brown Christmas. Ooh, um, nice. It's one of my think, favorite, too. Yeah. I think there's so many reasons. Uh but there's so many even hidden things in it. I think you see some of the depression that Charles Schultz mm. dealt with yeah. come through, through Charlie Brown. I think in all of Charlie Brown's character, but um, it, it, you see some of that and, and how he dealt with it. Um, but of course, the the way that they bring Luke 2 in is, is really, really cool. And the little detail, when uh, Linus does Luke too. He drops his blanket. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. It's when really someone cool. told me about that. That was a. Do you think that was insight. intentional, or did it? Did I someone do. later kind of? It was that a conspiracy theory? Uh, I think I hope not. Do we know from Charles Schultz <laughs> that that was intentional? I've actually never asked. Yeah, I would just think the way you had to make those cartoons back then that it was had to be intentional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I agree. We'll get our team of researchers on it. You know, yep. the team that we employ. Our, yep. our fact checkers who come in yes. after our podcast to make sure what we say is true. I did want to settle the debate about Die Hard. Uh, Dan <laughs> mentioned, Dan mentioned in his in his sermon on Sunday that uh, context is king, and so if we believe that, if we believe that context is king, I think that that settles the debate as to whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not, since it takes place, you know, at Christmas. I think you make a strong case. Yeah, I'm going to die that on is. this hill. Die hard on that hill. Yeah, die hard on the hill. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe <laughs> I said right, that. All right. I think we need to move Ross, on. Ross, steer us. We yeah, do, steer please. Steer us back on course. Um, I was going to say, speaking of Charlie Brown having a difficult Christmas, but Sean kind of stole my transition there. Um, but uh, David Mathis in the last several chapters, um, as you know, the last chapters leading up to Christmas um, are, as the rest of the book is, very, very good, very encouraging and helpful. Several of them deal with some of the difficulties of Christmas, um, and, and there are many ways to look at that. And so um, 
Dan, uh, you covered some of those chapters. Uh, you want to speak to some of that? Sure. One of the chapters I was looking at talked about loving hard people at Christmas. And as we know, when we gather with people, whether it's friends or family, sometimes those are hard relationships. And those in some ways can be the hardest people to serve. They know us the best. We know them the best. And he applied Philippians 2, uh, where Paul is encouraging us to take the mind of Christ so that if we have any fellowship with the Spirit, which we do, then we need to put others' concerns above our own. And I think in a year that's been really divisive, um, I think among family, among church family, among our nation, I mean, what a challenge to be thinking, how do I put someone else's interests above my own? He had a phrase, how do we get out of the um, prison of self to see the interests of others? What do we do? And he essentially said we need to look to Christ and mm. follow his attitude. Yeah. So that that was a really important application. Uh, I know you had a couple other things, so I'll let you talk about your chapters because I, I have some reflections on that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of his is called Christmas Doesn't Ignore Your Pain. Uh, and, you know, he, he talks about one of the things he says – for, for many, Christmas is, um, you know, very merry, very cheerful. But for others, all the talk of joy and merriment at Christmas can make our sorrows feel all the more acute and our pains all the more painful. Normal life is hard enough. It's even harder when all the world seems to be singing, ringing bells, and pretending everything's suddenly merry. The pressure to feel the joy of Christmas can make joy all the more difficult. And so, yeah, there can be the grief of, of um, lost loved ones at the holidays. It can just be a painful reminder that everything is not okay, maybe in your family or, or maybe in other ways. Um, and, and it can sometimes feel everyone else around you seems to be having a perfect Christmas. Um, why is mine so hard? And Mathis reminds us in this chapter that all was not merry and bright mm. um, at the time of Christmas. And there's a number of ways to see that. First of all, just think about Mary, um, this young woman, not married. Um, and she had the shame that she had to, to deal with, at least from the culture around her, of being pregnant and not married. And, you know, there's no real stories of that from her early pregnancy days. But later on in John, the Pharisees actually take a shot at Jesus that he was, um, you know, born of someone who wasn't married. And so Mathis kind of takes that as a clue saying, I'll bet that means Mary also got a lot of flack for her pregnancy um, with some. And uh, Joseph would have had similar um, to have his betrothed pregnant before they were married. And maybe there was even some, you know, frustration between him and Mary at first and some lack of trust. Um, But then also remember that that um, the prophecy that people walking in a land of deep darkness, mm-hmm. on them a light has shone. I love that phrase, deep darkness. Um, I, th- I think that's from Isaiah. Um, and it just helps us kind of create the atmosphere, set the atmosphere for what um, it meant for Christ to come into this world um, and just reminds us of the, the immense sin and brokenness of this world that we see today, but that they definitely saw very much in their day as well. And um, so all was not merry and bright. And, and then, you know, he also points out Jesus had 
um, was going to have a hard life. He was called in Isaiah, man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And so that's, that's this baby who was born, who's going to be this man of sorrows. Mm. So, you know, Christmas doesn't ignore our many pains, but at the same time, it neither, it also doesn't bid us to wallow in them, which can be a temptation. Um, Christmas reminds us that God sees and hears us. Um, he sees and hears our cries for helps, you know, thinking back to the, the slaves in Egypt crying out to help. And then we, you know, we see God sees and hears them. And so Christmas shows us that he has come to deliver us. Um, you know, uh, that's such a great message of Christmas that God sees you and God hears you. Um, and I think pain when we're in moments of pain, it can actually, I think, help us celebrate Advent more deeply and more fully. Um, it, it deepens our longings for Christ, uh, which is what is part of what Advent is, is, is um, really being reminded of our longing for Christ to come again. Um, and, it, and it really helps us find our deepest joy in life, but also at Christmas in, in Christ. I remember one Advent a couple years ago, uh, my wife and I had a miscarriage kind of right coming into the Advent season. And, and um, we experienced Advent in a very different and more powerful way that year. We were just more confronted with the brokenness of this world in that. Um, and, it, and it really stirred our worship and affections for Christ as hard as it still was. And so Christmas doesn't ignore our pain. It's actually precisely for our pain. Uh, it shows us that God is rolling up his sleeves and getting to work on the brokenness of this world. Um, and so those are some of the ways that I was encouraged um, in it. Dan, I think you were going to speak a little bit more to that. Yeah, I think you hit a lot of those things. For me this year, I think I've been aware and more thoughtful about a lot of the pain. I mean, just even in the last weeks, all the things going on in the life of our congregation, some that are known, you know, like, uh, one man going through leukemia treatment, another just had back surgeries, another lady in our church just had a stroke, and um, uh, several other just struggles among families and individuals and people fighting addictions, and that's hard stuff, you know, and I think for me as I was thinking about it, for me there's two things about Christmas. One, there's just kind of the tradition and the the holiday season, mm -hmm. and then there's really thinking about the incarnation of Christ. In some yeah. ways, they really are kind of two different railroad tracks for me that kind of go with each other because I love some of the tradition, decorating cookies, getting the Christmas tree, all that stuff that is kind of sentimental and, and holiday-focused and family-focused versus uh, or alongside the reality of the incarnation and too often, I think, in the church, we have these idealistic pictures of what the Christian family and life should be. And so when they don't match that, we feel a lot of guilt and shame and heartache instead of realizing we live between the already and the not yet. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of what we do, living between the first advent and the second advent. And again, this year, I've been more thoughtful of the second advent, Christ coming again, who's going to take away all this brokenness. Uh, he started the good thing. He's already, his grace has appeared, but it's, he's going to come in glory. And so that's what this book has really helped me think more about this year. That's great. That's great. So yeah, he, he elaborates on some of the difficulties. He also talks about some of the hopes and, and he goes into that even more um, in some of the later chapters of this past week. And, and Sean was going to speak to some of that. 
Yeah, he starts uh, the chapter on uh, for, for the 23rd of December, just really pointing out that the 23rd of December is a significant day for him, for David Mathis, the author. He talks about how he really uses that day to, to sit back and reflect on what has happened thus far in Advent for him, for him and, and just with, a, with an eye towards refocusing. Uh, he says, we may feel that we're once again stumbling towards Christmas, exhausted and defeated by this most uh, by this most consumeristic season in our most uh, consumeristic of societies. So he's really hitting head on uh, directly the idea that we might come into this. Like, I wonder, listeners, how you're feeling coming into this Christmas season. Are you feeling the weight of or whether you're done shopping yet or not? Um, are you feeling whether, uh, you know, uh, as you guys were discussing, some of the pain, is that going to show up most clearly on Christmas morning? Uh, just worried about maybe mm. um, whether family's going to get along or how disappointing it's going to be that you can't even see family this year. What, whatever those things that are going through your mind, he's, he's really hitting this head on saying, well, how are we feeling on December 23rd? Mm. Are we ready for the next two days of, um, of this mix of uh, maybe grief and happiness? And, uh, but, but ultimately, can we focus on the joy that Christ provides, the, the great joy that, as we've discussed in previous episodes, the joy that he gives us through his entering into our story? He makes mention of uh, a cultural reference from uh, some time ago in this episode of Seinfeld, uh, where Frank, who is uh, one of the main characters, George's father, uh, has come up with a holiday called Festivus that happens on December 23rd. Um, uh, he claims December 23rd for this new observance, complete with an aluminum pole in place of a Christmas tree, an after-dinner airing of grievances among the family, and pranks that are dubbed as Festivus Miracles. Um, and so Frank is really just a curmudgeon, right? He's tired mm. of the consumerism and all of the materialism and just what Christmas has turned into. And so he, he invents this new holiday. Well, Mathis is great, is, is just really wise to point out that, you know, we may have the same frustrations. We may see the world around us, not really understanding Christmas for what it's supposed to be. And he says, that's an invitation for us to really refocus and think about how we talk about Jesus, how we talk about the Christmas miracle, mm. how we talk about, uh, just declaring the truths of Christ he mentions uh, Col- a passage, Colossians f- uh, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, and he says, this is where Paul says to the Colossians, pray for us, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Hmm. So again, I've said this m- several times and we've kind of harped on this, but slowing down enough hmm. to have clear words, cl- a clear uh, way of talking about who Jesus is. This is any time that any of us teach uh, God's word, we 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 probably pray for clarity, right? We pray yeah. that God, would you allow us to speak this clearly and, and truthfully uh, to those that, and use our, our brokenness, uh, despite our brokenness, use, use our words to, to communicate tr- the truth of you. Um, and so I think all of us have a role in this as, as disciples that are, that want to make disciples and share the good news of great joy. Um, I, I, I think this, we can borrow this prayer from Paul, you know, asking God to help us to declare um, a very clear, a message about who Jesus is and the way we talk about him and the way we, um, and the way we worship him at the services that are coming up, you know, kind of all those things. So yeah. really using December 23rd and not, not wasting our curmudgeonness, right? Like mm-hmm. let's, let's refocus it to what it actually is. Um, and not, we don't have to invent anything. We don't have to be dismayed. We can, we can be very clear and very articulate about who Jesus is in this time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And then he, he goes on in December 24th, and the, this chapter, I love this title, it's, it's called The Day Heaven Kissed Earth. Hmm. And it's talking about this really intimate moment where God enters, enters our story. 
um, he, he goes through the, the chapter and talks about uh, several things. But what I really wanted to pull out is he, he really addresses the benefits of Christ. What mm. are the benefits of Jesus uh, being born, coming, you know, entering into the story, but then also dying on the cross and purchasing us for God? What are the benefits that come alongside that? It's kind of a it's kind of a weird word to use when we think about Jesus. We think about the benefits, um, but he, he he quotes John seventeen, and this is just I think this is um, thanks to Phil Rendall. This is one of my favorite um, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Uh, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Mm. So it's talking about this this idea of a relationship. Yes, the benefits of, of Jesus are that uh, we are saved from our sins, that we are justified, we are made uh, righteous, and even in the already not yet, we are declared, there's this idea of uh, definitive sanctification, right? Like we have mm-hmm. been declared holy as Jesus is holy for eternity, and yet we still struggle with some of the sinfulness of this earth. Uh, but more than that, more than be us benefiting from the from being saved from our sins, us benefiting from all the things that Jesus has done for us, he purchased us for himself, uh, for relationship with God. Our lives are meant to to bring glory to God, not to not to us. And so even refocusing and like uh, Dan, like you said from the Philippians passage, taking uh, the, the focus off of ourselves, uh, being released from the prison of, of, of the self and focusing on all of the benefits and all of the good things that Jesus has done for us, uh, really relishing in the fact that our lives are meant to bring him glory. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, this is this addresses our pain. This addresses our suffering, but it also addresses maybe some of our idolatry, mm. maybe the the improper reasons we get excited about Christmas, um, in, in the things that we receive, the you know the um, whatever whatever it might be, um, but really to refocus on the fact that He purchased us for Himself, and, um, and and our lives are now meant to bring God glory, and how we how we worship, how we talk about Him, how we're selfless um, in our love of others. Um, yeah, it's just a it's just a wonderful reminder and an intimate picture of, uh, again, the title, The Day Heaven Kissed Earth. I love that. Mm. I love that picture. Yeah. That's, so, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, I, those are both great points. I love this intentionality of the way he thinks about December 23rd. I think Christmas can become so familiar, and I just love that he is trying to find ways to um, keep, you know, Christ uh, in his heart through it. Um, but then also just the ways he drew out um, the gift that Christ really is for us. It was a great reminder. One thought I had, Sean, was recommending the book Knowing God by J.I. Packer. He really has built his whole book on that verse, and it might be late to get for Christmas, but maybe a good read for the new year. Uh, One last thought I had, too, is just another chapter, and it's kind of related to that, thinking about the beauty of what Jesus has brought to us, is Luke brings out a couple times that Jesus is wrapped in swaddling cloths. And he's making the point, we think, probably just that he's ordinary, like other babies, just needs to be wrapped up. But in the end of the gospel, he talks about how the cloths, his death garments, are laying aside. Hmm. And whether it's a direct and implicit or or implicit, just to see how he came into the world, there's just significance of these cloths that have him bound. Then he was bound um, and taken into an, an unjust court and then wrapped in these cloths and laid in a tomb. Uh, When they found the cloths, the tomb was empty. And so we're reminded why this little child who came, uh, came to die and then to be raised from the dead. So again, it helps us think about the beauty of the resurrection. Yeah, I got to read these quotes. I I totally forgot to while I was doing my 
uh, my section there, but uh, right at c- kind of at the end of the, the last chapter, chapter 24, he says, the deepest significance of Christmas is, isn't just that Jesus came to save us, but that he is who he is. The surpassing value of Christmas isn't finally knowing ourselves to be saved, but knowing the Jesus who saves us. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow, what, what a, what a, just a wonderful picture of um, <laughs> dying to self, knowing Jesus, and that being how we can experience true and great joy, uh, maybe for the first time. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, I hope you see how encouraging this book has been to our hearts. Uh, mainly by just pointing us and and making Jesus more beautiful to us. I hope it's been helpful and encouraging for you as well to uh, chime in on our conversation that we've been having. Uh, So as we uh, finish this season, whether it's a a fun or maybe a sorrowful week for you this week, um, holiday week, we most of all hope that you have a worshipful Christmas and that you find renewed hope that our King has come and that he's coming again. And so we look forward to seeing you again in the new year for season three of Redeemer Radio. Sean, do you mind giving a quick teaser of our season three? Yeah, and actually season three, which is going to be looking at several important spiritual disciplines that uh, that really can help us fall more in love with Jesus. I think it really will pick up on this idea. We've studied Jesus and his uh, in his life on earth, right, in this season. And so building upon that, one of the things that we notice about Jesus is that he has rhythms, he has patterns, he has things that he does to commune with the Father, um, that he you know, he goes off to pray alone. He uh, he recites the Old Testament in the presence of others. He has, yeah. you know, he has scripture memorized. He, yeah. there, there are ways that Jesus has built these rhythms and, yeah. and habits into his life that that give us a perfect picture of what it looks like to worship the father. And, right. um, and so we're not after perfection, but we're because we can't achieve it here, but we're after worship. We're after uh, this deepening relationship. And so season three will be heavily focused on that spiritual disciplines and habits and rhythms that help us commune with the father. I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, well, Merry Christmas and happy new year. We look forward to being with you all again next time. Friends and family on Redeemer radio, grace and peace to you all. Taking a chance